Welcome to the Gold Standard, the final episode of the Gold Standard before the trade deadline 2022. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And he's trading me for Adam Vingan. I'm Jeremy K. Gover, and you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at It's Gover Time. Please do. A- and a, uh, a smash burger to be named later from Jaspers. That's exactly what, <laughs> what I'm trading you for. Uh, Greg Wyshynski. We don't do this very often. We do not do this very often, but Greg Wyshynski of ESPN is going to be on with us a little bit later on. We talked to him about basically everything. We talked to him about his his thoughts on the upside this team has in the playoffs, what he should do, what the Preds should do with Philip Forsberg, some awards, you know, all the records we've been talking about, Jeremy. So he great conversation with Greg Wyshynski. Love talking with him. So you hear that coming up a little bit later on. You will get our official, final, last second Philip Forsberg predictions on what the Predators should do at the deadline after the interview because we asked that of Greg Wyshynski as well so you get that from us a little bit later on we are going to talk about all the records that, that of course we've been mentioning on the show what seems like every single week now which is making it really fun to follow this, this team to be honest with you David Poyle had some thoughts on uh, buying and selling at the deadline so we'll get to that two more games to go Jeremy until the trade deadline which of course is 2 p.m central time on Monday the 21st they'll play Philadelphia and Toronto before then Are we concerned about a matchup with St. Louis? We'll get into that. And, of course, what's happened over the last two weeks, which is the Preds have found their stride again. They're scoring lots of goals, and they're winning games, collecting points, and have solidified themselves as a playoff team in the Western Conference. So lots of good stuff on the show today. However, before we do that, Jeremy K. Gover, the Gold Standard Podcast is brought to you by the great folks at Jaspers. That was sultry. Yeah, you know, again, was... I, try, I told you last pod, I'd like to change it up, you know, and that's all I could come up with in the moment. So that's what we're going with. Here's how much Jaspers love you. And I know you guys out there listening to this show, the, like the second it comes out on Thursday morning, if you are listening to this before 11 a.m. Central Time, make sure you go to the Twitter feed at 440 Sports, click on the bracket challenge, sign up because Jaspers, this is how much Jaspers loves you guys. Jaspers is giving away a $100 gift card to the winner of the bracket challenge for the NCAA tournament at zero cost to you. All you got to do is sign up and try to win. Whoever wins that bracket, Jasper's going to give them a $100 gift card. You can use that gift card anywhere around the city at Four Top Hospitality Restaurants, which is Amerigo's, Etch, et cetera, Char. A lot of good places, including Jasper's, but it is a great place to watch games. We're going to be there on Thursday if you're listening to this. Come on by in the afternoon to watch the Tennessee game. So obviously great happy hours for the Preds games as well, but um, the the tournament challenge is, is what Jasper's wants you to know about. Because again, if you win, they just want you to remember who loves you, right? And that's 440 Sports and Jaspers. They love you. That's all they want you to know. And they're going to give you free money for that. They are. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, no, I mean, it's, there's not, not a whole lot else to say. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a wonderful place to go. And uh, I can't wait to go back there next week. I'm actually going to be in Nashville for some work stuff. And so I'm going to stop by and have some lunch. And I can't wait. So, I mean, I, you said it perfectly. There's not a whole lot for me to add. My job here, go on. Braden, is my job here is to... <laughs> analyze the discussion and be able to add and, and input some things that maybe that are insightful that you've just done it all for me. So I don't need to add anything else other than the fact that go to Jasper's cause it's great. M- many other co-hosts of mine would call that talking over them uh, maybe in the past, but uh, not you, my friend. Maybe I so, but yeah, so I, yeah, hey, I appreciate you. <laughs> um, all right. So not to do any, not to do more navel gazing at the start of the show, but we are because we told you last week as we, we gloated a little bit on the show about how we were sort of ahead of the curve on all these records that have been, we've been sort of mentioning oh, these yes. further back like weeks and weeks and weeks ago. 
And I'm really angry at myself, Jeremy, because I forgot to mention the other topic that is sweeping the, the city in the last few weeks that we were also ahead of the curve on, which is why are we still booing Ryan Suter? How Gill and Chris Mason are talking about it on the broadcast. And I want to be like, boys, we were talking about this two weeks ago. Where have you been? Of course, you're going to take the hundred million dollars. So we've got to start gloating a little bit more on the show today, Jeremy. I think you should have just dropped them a link in Twitter immediately to the show and be like, hey, uh, we've already been over this. Thanks for catching the train, but uh, it's already moving and we're driving it at the gold standard presented by Jasper. So there you, there you go. Uh, it, it was interesting, though, to hear them talk about that and have this immediate like, wait a minute, we've t- <laughs> this is not new, you know. Uh, those guys are awesome though, obviously, uh, it, they've course. always been nice to me and been great. And so there's nothing against them. It's just funny and they're kind of busy, you know, so I get it if they don't listen to every show. Uh, but it was funny how it's just one more thing that we talked about on this, sh- on this pod. And then for have somebody else on a grand stage yep. be like, well, yep. wait a minute. Have we thought about that? Yes. Yes, we have. <laughs> the collective we has thought about this. I, I yes. Think- and again, love Willie too. Like Willie's like, oh yeah, we spent all kinds of time on our radio show this week talking about this. And I was like... Yeah, we did it two weeks ago, big guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I love, yeah. and I, like you said, I love all these guys. So we're going to do it again for you. Let's call our shot again. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've called our shot every time here. So let's do it again. And I want this time, this is the second time this has come up because I mentioned this last week on the show. I said to you last week on the show, if this team turns things around and starts to play consistent hockey over the last four or five weeks of the year, and they stabilize themselves a little bit, which they have. They've won five out of six since since this particular game. I said, I said the whole media, we're all going to look at that eight to nothing win over San Jose, and we're going to call it the kickstart of the final chapter of this season. I said it last week on the show, and I'm saying it right now again to make sure before everyone else steals our shit and says, you know what? That San Jose game seems pretty important. <laughs> we said, Imagine it- that. We said it last week. We're saying it this week. They have stabilized Gover, and that is really good news for Predators fans. No, I mean, they really have. Because, look, they they had a – the team would probably point it to the game after – the Seattle game, right? Because the Seattle game, they kind of went through the motions, thinking it was an expansion team, all that stuff, and then they lost that one 4-3. to three. And then the next day, reportedly, they had some sort of come-to-Jesus meeting of like, hey, we need to get our, our act together and all this stuff. And then they go out and, against San Jose, albeit an inferior team, and they blast them eight nothing. Okay, so you're like, all right, hey, they're, that's they're on. That's great. That's how you respond to a come to Jesus meeting. But then against Dallas is a hard fought matchup. They beat them. Anaheim, they take care of business against Anaheim, looking pretty good doing it. Yes, they dropped the game against St. Louis, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. And they lost seven four. So on paper, it looks like wow, they got blown out. That's actually not the case. They actually lost. Uh, see, I, I had the box score here. Well, no, they, they actually got- went. They got blown out, then they weren't blown out, then they got blown out, but it was an empty netter, so it's fine. Right, no, that's just it, right? So they the Blues took a 3 nothing early lead to the point where I was on Twitter saying, well, if you pull Soros now <laughs> and you put Riddick in, Riddick in, excuse me, put Riddick in, then you can have Soros basically rested for tomorrow in Minnesota. Right. That's what I was saying on Twitter. But then Nashville decides to come all the way back to tie at 3-3 in the second period. Uh, St. Louis responds, goes up 4-3, and then Matt Duchesne kicks into high gear and gets his 31st of the season to make it 4-4. So, again, it was just the way they responded to early adversity in that game is promising. And then, of course, they blast Minnesota and Minnesota the next night, and then the great win against Pittsburgh where they just looked – I mean, yes, they got some bounces, but they look good in almost every facet of the game against the Penguins. They look really, really good. 28 goals – in six games that's i'm not good at math but almost five per game 
Almost. And, and outside of San Jose, you are talking about either teams in the playoffs ahead of you in the standings. That's correct. Or teams that are immediately behind you. All of these games, every one of these games outside of the San Jose game, really. And so to answer the, the, the bell, pick a cliche, whatever, after a month and a half of the worst hockey of their season, to, to now be on this stretch, again, I still expect there to be some mini slumps and some mini, sure. you know, mini uh, uh, runs or whatever. It's not going to be perfect. But what you're hoping for from here on out is just really solid, consistent, period in, period out hockey of, all right, he, th- we're back to playing our standard. And I don't expect him to go five and one in every six game stretch. Right. But, but you can't have any more of those long, protracted, bad stretches. And that is what they have to avoid now with a month and a half to go. Yeah, the Penguins, for those who don't know, are third in the Metropolitan Division. So they're a playoff team as well. So, yes, you've got, like Braden said, you've got Minnesota, St. Louis, Anaheim. These teams, Dallas, technically, these teams that you're going direct, you have direct competition with for your playoff spot, right? But even Pittsburgh, even that game, that's, yes, the interconference game doesn't mean as much because it's like, okay, you lose that game. Who cares? You're only giving two points to an Eastern Conference team. But Pittsburgh is a damn good team, too. Yes. They played 61 they played sixty one games this year. And until the loss against Nashville in Nashville, they'd only lost six road games all year. So you beat a good Penguins team, and it, it's a really good I, I do wonder if this is the perfect time to do all this stuff because it's like, okay, obviously you want to win every game. But, I mean, you know, if you're like, okay, well, every team's going to ha- – or every year, excuse me, is going to have its ebbs and flows, right? We hear that cliche every single year in every single sport, ebbs and flows. Well, if you had – a slide in February that kind of woke you up for March. Isn't that in, in April's the playoffs? Isn't that kind of a good time to do all that stuff? Kind of get reawoken and just get your, get your crap together and be like, okay, this is how we have to play if we want to be successful. Cause now the games mean something and, and they're not comfortable, Braden. That's the other thing too. They're not a Colorado team that is already basically right. in the playoffs and they can kind of coast like Tampa did against Columbus, for example. Back in the, you know, a couple of years ago when Tampa, Tampa was the number one seed, President's Trophy winner, Columbus sweeps them, right? It's kind of like that. So I, I just really like the position that they're in. Obviously, they want to win every game, but I think it's a really good timing for all of it. At least yeah, it looks like, that way on this this side. It's funny. Like, I wrote down, I was like, what's, the, what's you know, what, what's a good topic here? And I'm going like, was this the best time to suck? Mid- middle Jan- <laughs> middle Middle of January to end of February. And while there's never a good time to be bad... I do think it's a little early. Like if they're going to be playing their best hockey for the next three weeks, that's a little early, but I also sure. think, and and I'll frankly, we'll talk about this with Greg Wyshynski a little bit later on, but I, I think I, the playoffs are so strange in hockey compared to everything else. Like in football, you need to be like as healthy as possible yes. playing your best football. Your quarterback needs to yep. be in rhythm In basketball. You sort of need the same thing going into the NCAA tournament in the NBA. It doesn't matter. It's just like whoever has the best players is going to win. And yeah. in hockey, it's so different because there's like a goalie can literally have a bad final month of the season and just be great in the postseason. And that it's such an unusual sport from that sense that I don't I think it's interesting that we and we need to talk about it. But I don't know if it matters yet until like the actual games in the postseason. And then we're going to say, oh, see, look, it was right. It wasn't right. And we're going to use revisionist history to determine whether or not this was the perfect time to get hot or not. I think it was the perfect time to stop the slide. And they definitely did that. That's fair. That's fair. The last game of this regular season, by the way, is April 29th, which is later than usual because of COVID pushback. But April 29th is the last game of the regular season. And that, you know, you're right in the sense that in a normal schedule, this would probably be the perfect time to peak, 
Actually, yeah, that's true. Peak, but, that's you know, true. But, but with this season, there's a little bit more time, right? There's still a month and a half left. And so uh, you're right. It may be a little, little too early, but honestly, I'd rather be now than November. So, I, I no, I agree with you. I expect another slump. I, I really do. I think there's going to be another. Oh, sure. There'll be another stretch where like they go a week and a half and they go like, you know, two and four or something like that or, or one and five or whatever. There's well, going to be, be an, it might be next week because they've got Philadelphia at home and Ottawa at home. Both of those teams are horrible Eastern Conference teams. Right. <laughs> and then they and then they go to Buffalo, who isn't much better. Right. They go to. So it's and then. Oh, sorry. Then they had the Minnesota game thrown in on the 5th of April and then they play Ottawa again on the 7th in Ottawa. So there might be your slump if they're if they if they lack focus. You can, you can, you as a fan, you as a listener can focus in on that stretch right there and see how they perform. If they go out and they do what they should do, then they'll have a, you know, above 500 record or whatever it is, or at least they'll play well. You know, sometimes it bounces right. don't go your way, whatever. Yeah. But that's the stretch you want to look at because that's the stretch that you should beat every one of those teams except for maybe Minnesota. And even, and even then I'd argue you should. So that's a, that's a good place to look at is look from okay. now and through April 7th. And if they're doing really well still. You're in a good spot. If they if they've slacked off, they either have another, need to have another come to Jesus meeting, or we know their problem is focus. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, young players, as we talked about all, also as we've talked about on exactly. the show, sometimes you need to. Again, we're now the assignment desk for all of Predators Media. Um, of course, I mean, we've 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 stumbled into that, <laughs> which we're fine. We're fine. We're honored to. Well, to yeah, I'm fine. To, comfortable with it. We're, we're honored. Um, that's the other thing we've talked about with with this team as well, which is that. Um, now I've totally lost my train of thought uh, going to my assignment desk joke. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? We started expanding on it and then you got, you got, you got derailed. Sorry about that. I was just saying that until April 7th, they've got some real mediocre teams that are coming up and they should beat every single one of them except for maybe Minnesota. And that's the stretch that you want to look at if you're a fan or a listener, because if you, if, if you think they lack focus or you think they are only in it, in the games that they want, they need to dial it up for, then that's the one you want to focus on. Yes. Uh, what I was getting at, and I totally forgot. Thank you. Um, uh, I'll, I'll blame my children on this one. Um, was, <laughs> was that sometimes young teams have to lose to learn how to win. And that's and correct. That's, that's very true. It's very possible that that's what this organization full of all these very talented young players is going to have to do, whether that's the end of the regular season or in a postseason series, we don't know. Hopefully it's a Western conference final. Let's call it. Let's just for, for, for pure homerism and optimism here on the show. Um, so here, here's a, a, to wrap up how good they've been lately. And, you know, Tanner's, you know, we'll get to all the records and stuff in a second, but, but UC Saros has been back. The play, the power play has been back. Roman Yossi has been on a freaking tear, like just insane a production level. And I think what's interesting is St. Louis and Minnesota. This team has played very well every time they've played Minnesota. And it seems like this team has been, I don't want to say bad, but like out of sorts at times with St. Louis. They had a big lead in St. Louis in January. They gave a two goal lead, I should say, gave up that lead, like four straight goals. I think St. Louis scored to win that game. They give up a three goal lead this past weekend. They do fight back, which I give them credit for. And then the empty netters made it look less close, obviously. But St. Louis seems to sort of have them. I don't know if it's figured out or their number. Whereas Nashville seems to have Minnesota's number. Do, what do you make of the two matchups? Because right now it's more likely they'll play St. Louis in the first round than anybody else, maybe. Yeah, and I and I, I stand by what I said a couple pods ago, which is that the Blues don't scare me. Okay. Now, that being said, <laughs> uh, you're right. They seem to have the Preds number. 
So I pulled up these the three games so far between the two clubs this season. The Preds won the first one on November 11th, 4-3. to But St. Louis jumped out to a big 2-0 lead in the first period. Nashville had to battle back and then ended up winning in overtime. Okay. Then you go on to January 17th, and they lost 5-3. to they, the Preds jumped out to a 2-0 lead and then squandered it to four unanswered goals. Well, I guess not unanswered, but four, that's a, I, hate, I hate that term. Four straight goals by the Blues uh, in the second wait, wait, and third period. Why do, you hate, why do you hate unanswered as a term? Because it's, it's not entirely true. It's for another, for another day. For another day. I'm not no, gonna I want to know. Now I want to know. No, no, no. We'll, we'll talk about it later. It's, it's, right, okay. it's not entirely true. So, <laughs> so St. Louis <laughs> scores two in the first, answers with two in the first, and they get two more in the second and make it a 4-2 win and eventually go on to win 5-3. Okay, so then they, they seemed to, Nashville had kind of feeling good about themselves and then crumbled. And then, of course, this last game again, St. Louis jumps out to a 3 nothing lead in the first period. I'm talking on Twitter about pulling Saros. Nashville comes back twice. And yes, the final score doesn't look good, but really it's a 5-4 to four win by the Blues. So they seem to have their number in these tight games. And you have to assume uh, that, that the games will be tight in the playoffs, right? Yeah. I mean, most games yeah. usually are. And so if that's the case, have the Blues already set themselves up for you know, for a physical matchup, I would say yes. Uh, can the Preds overcome that? I would also say yes, but I have less confidence that they would against St. Louis than I would against Minnesota. We talked about Calgary on the last pod. And then, of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dallas, of course. So it just, to me, it's it's a tough, uh, it's a tougher road. You know, the travel is better. It's a five-hour drive, Preds fans. That's true. So make sure you, That's true. Make sure you be there. Uh, but and, some the, history, think, and some history, right? Like, I mean, right for sure. On their way to the Stanley Cup, you know, they go through St. Louis. So yeah, but Kevin Fiala is not here to have a revenge uh, tournament because a Neither. revenge round because he got hurt in the last one. So. Neither is uh, Cody McLeod or uh, Freddie Goudreau either. Um, <laughs> I think Vern Fiddler scored a game-winning goal in that series too. So yeah, yeah was... it's just it's crazy. But I, but I, but the Preds are built better to withstand a team like St. Louis, a team like Dallas. We've talked about that on previous pods as well. Yep. Uh, so, but yeah, I would say St. Louis. I'm still confident that the okay. Preds would edge them out. But but one thing I did not say because I didn't think about it until right now on the last time we talked about this was or is I should, I should say. The the beating they'll take in a St. Louis series, yeah. they may survive that, but yeah. then going to the next round, yeah. that it may pay off there. So that won't do St. Louis any good, but you know you, you don't want to see that if you're the Preds. Where I like the Minnesota matchup a lot better. Yeah, no, I, I agree on that. that. That's the way I used to look at the Ducks. Like, if you played the Ducks in a yeah. six- or seven-game series... You just knew you were going to lose a guy. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and frankly, Which guy do you want to lose? Because right. you're going to lose one. And honestly, just to be, just to like step back from even the Ducks or the Blues in a matchup that's really physical, like I think every hockey team in the NHL should plan on losing a starting player every round of the postseason. Yes. That's a great like, point. On average, just be like, you know what? We're going to lose one this round. Then we're going to lose another one next round. And it's who can withstand some of that stuff throughout the course of a very, very arduous process. So, and who uh, has and who has guys that can step up into those roles, right? Yeah. That's the other thing, right? When Johansson went down, Colton Sissons stepped up, had the game of his life, propelled yeah. the Preds to the yeah. Stanley Cup final, right? So, now is that a long term solution? Probably not. But I'm just saying, like, it takes guys like that. You can lose guys. That's fine as long as you can replace them to a degree. Yeah. If you don't have a replacement, you're just screwed. God, thank God they've got Cody Glass. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. The trade deadline. You and I and Greg Wyshynski will give you our official, final, absolute, definitive prediction on Philip Forsberg and the Nashville Predators and the trade deadline later on in the show at the very end. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Quick little update. On Monday, we will have a special post-trade deadline podcast. Myself 
and the triumphant return of Adam Bingen. So we'll have two episodes for you next week, Monday and Thursday, a little recap of the trade deadline, and then our standard episode uh, as well. So make sure you tuned in for that. David Poyle on 102.5 said, again, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically we're not a buyer and we're not a seller is basically what he said. And that they're just not close on the number yet with Philip Forsberg. So again, save your prediction for what you think is going to happen, but that is sort of the latest. It does not feel like there has been any movement between the two sides, maybe some conversations. I find it comforting that David Poyle is not a seller and not a buyer. Maybe that's like the, the like, like the anxiety riddled person who hates change. <laughs> like maybe that's, Maybe that's that's coming out inside of me when I when I see a comment about David Poyle that says, and I I'm this way for my football team and my basketball team and my baseball teams too. It's like if you have a team that's winning, don't do anything. Just you don't have to go acquire a big piece. You don't have to go sell a bunch of pieces. So I actually kind of I saw that quote and I thought, you know what? I actually like this from David Poyle. Yeah, I do too. But I will also say that there are areas of need right now. Right, Benning is out, Borvietsky is out. Right, you don't want to go into the. <laughs> can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. Yes, you don't want to go yes. into the playoffs with Ben Harper and Philip Myers as your third D pair. God, if you ben thought, so if much. you as a listener, you thought that Yannick Weber and Matt Irwin were bad, okay? If you were like, how did they not fix this for the playoffs? Just wait until Harper and Myers are your playoff third pair. You're, you're going to ride Yossi, Ekholm, Fabro, and Carrier to death. I, I know, I know. Because they're going to have like four minutes a game, and it's the, <laughs> the third pair. I mean, it's going to have four minutes a game. It's going to be purely, God forbid, one of those top four takes a, a penalty. And then, the, I mean, it's oh, just going to be, it's yeah, going to be was, so Benning was writhing in pain. There's no question about that. Yeah, so, and again, I don't know how long they're out. I'm just saying that, you know, like, it's, that's your ideal third pair is Benning and Borbietsky. But if yeah. you are missing one of them, you still have to address that right maybe now you're missing both and so if that's any length of time or, or anything like that you've got to go get a defense a defenseman that can put the third pairing minutes in that's reliable you have to do it when, when, and i'm not talking about i'm bringing this up on almost every podcast i'm not talking about matt Irwin for <laughs> for that one guy corbini and holzer i'm not saying that that's not what i'm talking about i mean an actual like maybe a second pair kind of guy okay, right man. from a non-playoff team that can well, that can come in motivated to win that kind of thing I mean, Philip Myers was acquired to be a a, a guy that was going to solidify that's the enough. third. Just, just third stop. Just that's that's I, I didn't that's say um, at the time. At the time, Gover. Also, no. um, there will be a time when we're all allowed back into the locker rooms, hopefully, and <laughs> we're we're gonna have to record like me going up to Ben Harper and just saying, "Look, it's not personal. I, I, you're a fine gentleman. <laughs> you're 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 a fine gentleman, but you're much larger than me. So just know that it's not personal. We, you know, it's not personal at all. We're just, that's, the, that's the take. You fun. Would, We're just having fun. That's the take you would go with. I'm going to go with the, Hey, that was quite a hit on Glenn Denning in that Dallas game. I'm going to try to pick a positive C and go that way. So I, I my, my point is like, like Ben Harper and Myers have both had good air quotes for radio plays throughout the season here and there. But I'm just saying like, if you are in a playoff series with those three guys, as your third pair. Yeah. You are going to end up riding that top four, and it's not going to be good uh, over yeah. time. It may I be agree. fine in the first round, but after that, all bets are off. So you got to address that. Uh, my point is, is that if you, if you're Poyle, yes, I like the fact that you want to stand pat, but I also, you've got, you do have to fix a couple of things, and that's the main one, uh, is the third pair. Right, Phil Kessel. Mind. Phil Kessel doesn't solve that problem. Is my point. The third pair? No, he does not. That, that's that's my point. It's like. 
when when I think of being a buyer, I think about going out and getting a top six forward, and and that's no that nibbling that's around, fine, but... nibbling around the edges is what I like. I, I'm conservative when it comes to trade deadlines on teams that are good. I I, I totally get that, but but I would also say if you can get Phil Kessel for. I don't know, a third round pick and a guy you're not going to use is in your minor league system. Oh, I, and then you, you have sign to do it. Yeah, sign me up. Right. right. So so it, it's it's not all or nothing, I guess is what I'm saying. But yes, all, okay. all things being equal, I would say standing pad is fine, but they've got to address the third pair. And I'd like to see a second. I'd like Even if they have to overpay a touch, I'd like to see them get a second pairing caliber defenseman for the third pair. Okay. All right. That's that's fair enough. Um, obviously, the trade deadline is... People care about it. I. It's not, it's not like we haven't been talking. It's not like we haven't been talking about it for the better part of. It's not flying under the radar or anything. Four months or whatever. Forsberg up <laughs> in the middle of November. Are they going to trade Forsberg? Um, now we're we're six days away. Are they going to trade for? We're five days away. Are they going to trade Forsberg? Um, all right. Our final predictions on Forsberg. And I don't think if you've listened to this show for long enough, you know how Jeremy and I think about this particular situation. So yeah. I think you're going to be interested to hear what we have to say later on. And Greg Wyshynski has a great uh, answer to that question as well. So stay tuned for Greg Wyshynski and our predictions on Forsberg. Before we do that, real quickly, the chasing of the records. Um, I, I'm doing this. Let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. Okay. You're, you're, you're. Good I, luck. Done, I, see if I can do There's this. a lot of them. All right. Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg. And this is as time of taping on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Philip, Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, three goals away from the single season, Victor Arvidsson record of 34. Um, you've got, um, Philip Forsberg, one goal away from David Legwan. So the, by the time you're listening to this on Friday, he could have already tied David Legwan's all time career record of 210 goals in a Predators sweater. He's got two games to do that before they trade him, by the way. Um, so that's important. <laughs> <laughs> both of which, both of those guys, by the way, are ahead of Steve Sullivan's points per game record of 1.05. They are both way ahead of that. So is Roman Yossi, by the way, which brings me to the El Capitan, who has now got 52 assists. So by the time you're listening to this, maybe on Friday, he might already have the single season assist record, which is 54. He's got 69 points. Nice. And is about to chat. He's got 22 games, I think, to, to, to get to 85, which is Paul Correa's record. Matt Duchesne could get to 85 points this season and which would be a tremendous twist of irony to for Matt Duchesne of all people to break Paul Correa's points record and goal record in a, and Arvidsson's goal record uh Tanner Janot is I believe six hits away from breaking the modern hits record uh Roman Yossi is on pace for 281 shots which would be six more than Patrick Hornquist's record of 275 um Tanner Janot has 19 goals now which means he's one away from becoming only the second player in franchise history to get to 20 goals as a rookie he's seven away from Forsberg's rookie record which is not out of reach it's unlikely but it's not out of reach uh, I think that's all of them and I did not use the internet or my notebook for any of that no I can attest to that I'm watching Braden right now and that was pretty impressive because I could never have done any of that I, I can't will say I got... couldn't remember what the hell we were talking about five minutes ago but I can do all that's that. true that's true. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'll just reiterate the ones that uh, that impressed me the most, I think, and that's that Roman Yossi is a defenseman, and he's got 22 games to tally 17 points to break Paul Correa's all-time Preds scoring record of 85, and if my math is correct. And then Philip Forsberg needs just two more goals to break David Legwan's all-time Preds goal record of 210, like you said, and he also needs four more points to pass Shea Weber for sole possession of fourth place on the Preds' all-time points list mm. with 443. So uh, not a record, but obviously moving up the ladder, right? 
uh, and four more points is especially if he gets two goals. Four more points is totally conceivable. Assist on you know Duchesne's I don't know fiftieth goal or whatever it is. So <laughs> whatever he's got now. Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot going on. Here's what I I'm going to derail fun. this. It's fun. It is super fun. I'm going to derail this topic for one second and just say that this is what Roman Yossi currently sits at. Um, his his is his current rankings among NHL defensemen. Okay, so if the records <laughs> weren't enough, look at what he's doing around the league. Okay, he's first in points with 69. He's second in goals with 17. He's tied for first in assists with 52. He's first in points per game with 1.19. He's first in power play goals with eight. He's tied for first in power play points with 27. He's tied for first in even strength points with 42. And he's first in shots on goal with 203. That's around the league. That's league wide. So, so how Roman Yossi is fourth on John Lane of NHL.com's ballot for Norris, I have no idea. With those kind of numbers, he should at least be a finalist, if not the winner. And yet, John Lane, and I hate to pick on him, but he's the one I know. He is, he's, he's fourth on his Norris ballot right now. Yeah, Wyshynski uh, has him higher on his ballot. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, so but, you, approve, you approve of that. Yeah, well, I mean, look, here's the deal. Like the the records are great and they're awesome, and there's and it's just there's so many to go through. That's why I'm so impressed. That you rattled off all those fun. off the top of your head. It's fun. <clears throat> but there's also around the league, there's respect at stake, right? If Yossi can finish the season first, second, first, first, tied for first, first, like in all these categories, like that, then puts Nashville even more on the map, right? And and then of course him on the, you know, on on the map of Norris Trophy, hopefully, so second one, so. It's just a really, really great time to be a Predators fan if you're watching and following along literally any any game. Forsberg has four it's points nuts. against Philadelphia. Nuts. He's got the record, right? Two goals, got the record. So yep. the very next game, yep. we could see these records start to fall one by one. It's pretty exciting. You could be listening to this, and they could have already fallen. Again, Roman Yossi at time of taping has 69 points. He is fifth all-time in franchise history. There's 22 games to go, Gober. Right, yeah, yeah. That's, a, it's that's, not, a, that's again, more than a quarter of the season, and he's already top five single season already. As a it's defenseman. It's pretty insane. It's pretty insane. I, I choose to focus on Matt Duchesne, however, because Matt Duchesne. Oh, okay. Well, no, I'm just saying, like Matt, like you mentioned, he's 31 goals, whatever it is now. Uh, he's The fact that he even has a 30-goal season in a Predator sweater, 31 goals, yeah, is remarkable. It's his career high. This guy was m- much maligned for two years because of his contract size and because of all that stuff. And then now here he is being the player everybody wanted him to be, when they, including himself probably, when he, when he signed that contract. So th- it's tremendous to watch. And Robbie Stanley tweeted it a, a perfect thought the other day. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, Matt Duchesne has more confidence than I've ever seen a Predators player have right now. And I could not agree with that more. When he touches the puck, it's not like yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to make something happen. It's electricity. It's, I'm going to make something happen. Yeah. No, I agree and with so, that. I agree with that. What, what a great time. What a great time to be a Predators fan. Well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll keep adding to this because a lot, all those Yossi numbers are, are his personal highs. Um, but here's, here's another one that we'll just throw in there just for the sake of Ryan Johansson has more goals this season than he's had at any season in his career as a Predator. How, how many years have we been asking him to shoot the puck? Uh, let me count one, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> seven. As a matter of fact, we've been well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he's tied. Uh, I think fifteen was his was his career high this, as a as a yeah. predator. But he, yeah. I assume, he will break that. So again, we're talking about Matt Duchesne in by far his best year. Yossi in by far his best year. UC Saros in by far his best year. You're talking about Ryan Johansson in by far his best year. A rookie having arguably the second best season in the history of Nashville Predators hockey. 
And it's all happening at the same time while we're dealing with the trade deadline and chasing a camp, a Stanley cup playoff spot. It's yes. If you cannot enjoy this, even if it doesn't result in the records or the championship or whatever, this is the point of being a sports fan. This is the point. <laughs> like enjoy the ride and enjoy all of this stuff because this is why you are a fan of a team. Any sport. And if you're an, and if you're a new fan and you think this happens all the time, trust me, it does not. You're usually like eyeing maybe one or two records a season, maybe. And it's usually some obscure record, like plus minus right, or some right, random right. thing. It's not all these different offensive and defensive records and, yep. and they're all okay. being attacked by different players. It's, it's incredible. All right. We beat that one to death. Uh, but again, we were ahead of the curve on that one. Uh, just want to let people know. Uh, just a roundabout way of saying we were right. Is all for all you program directors listening to the pod, just letting you know. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that one's for you, Chaser. All right. Uh, when we come back, our conversation with Greg Wyshynski of ESPN and our final predictions on what will happen with Philip Forsberg. All of that next right here on the Gold Standard Podcast. Gold Standard is a podcast about the Nashville Predators hockey team, Jeremy K. Gover of AP Radio, and it is brought to you by Jaspers. I couldn't come up with a way to change it this time, so it was less straight. sultry. If you're going to go sultry, yeah. I think you need to go all in. You want to try it again? Or you yeah, let me try it once again. Go ahead and keep okay, me ready? up again. Keep me up again. Okay, ready? Okay. Uh, the Gold yeah. Standard is brought to you by Jaspers. <laughs> I enjoy that. <laughs> That's now, my now. very bad impression of 90s late night R&B radio. Is what that okay, is. okay, let's... Let's do that voice again. Let's keep that voice. Because Jasper Philip has, Forsberg. Jaspers has great happy hour, great specials for <laughs> Preds fans. It's going to be a great place to watch tournament games, so go watch some basketball games. Here's what I want you to do, okay? In that voice, tell me what toppings you would put on a smash burger. Barbecue sauce. What? <laughs> that was the first one? Well, cheese and bacon. And okay. barbecue no, no, sauce do the, the voice. That's a topping to me. Oh, sorry. Do the voice. Bacon. Cheese. Ooh. Barbecue sauce. Nice. Plain, because I'm plain. <laughs> and very picky. Basic. Those are the three things I would like. I like a very basic burger. <laughs> I don't understand. What? That's way more Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, I don't no, yeah. I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you going to order at Jasper's, Jeremy? Whatever I feel like. Whatever I feel like. God. Whatever I feel like. I think they should trade Philip Forsberg for what? A liger. It's the greatest thing <laughs> ever. <laughs> We got to stop right now. We got to stop. Um, yep. I, listen, I just, I, I don't understand what it is with you folks and your burger taste. You and Steve Cavendish, like Cavendish won't put like, he doesn't like pickles or lettuce on his burger. And I'm like, what? Who are no. you people? Why ruin the burger? I just think it's a missed opportunity to have a more delicious meal. <laughs> if you don't put more stuff on a pizza here, here. And this is why Jasper's is great. Honestly, this is no true story here. Their flatbreads are, are spectacular because they're loaded with stuff. The burgers are great because they're loaded with stuff. The sweet potato fries are literally loaded with all kinds of stuff as far as the shareables go. And I, I look at salads, pizza, sandwiches, burgers, all the same way. If you have it plain, you've just missed an opportunity to maximize your efficiency. Like, load those bad boys. The more, the better. I want nine layers on my salad, nine layers on my pizza, nine layers on my burger and my sandwich. Load me up, man. Give me everything. At Jasper's, at Jasper's, you can do that, Braden, and at Jasper's, I can do my way, which is nothing touches anything else. Jasper's, so you can have it your way. That's right. <laughs> See, now we're stealing from people, Jeremy. 
<laughs> marketing works. slogans from days of yore. Yes, go to Jasper's, everybody. Free parking, great food, great happy hour specials for the Nashville Predators fans, and we'll be there hanging out during the tournament. And if you fill out a bracket, if you've heard this in time to fill out a bracket, they're giving away a $100 gift card to the winner of our bracket challenge at 440 Sports because you know who loves you? Jasper's loves you. That's who loves you. Go to Jasper's. Greg, welcome to the show, man. Always a pleasure to speak with you, and uh, we appreciate your time. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm excited. Uh, I'm hoping. I'm kind of torn as to what I want the trade deadline to be, because uh, I'm on our coverage on ESPN on Monday. But me and Arda Ocal are kind of at the kids' table, so like the less stuff that happens, the more we'll be on TV. But for the sake of hockey fans, I want there to obviously be a lot of stuff that happens. So I'm a little bit torn. <laughs> well, I, I guess uh, obviously that's where we'll start right here because li- literally every single week on the show, we have to spend an obligate. It's con- we're contractually obligated to talk at least seven to 10 minutes about Philip Forsberg and the trade deadline. <laughs> and I guess I'll just be, be in general your thoughts on the activity at the deadline, because you just mentioned it, how it, how it's going to affect your coverage on Monday. But w- what should the Nashville Predator like? What do you think the Nashville Predators should be doing on Monday at around 2 p.m.? I think they should be augmenting. I think this is a pretty good hockey team. And I, and I, and I know that the prevailing wisdom in the Western Conference, if you listen to such pundits as Calgary Flames coach Daryl Sutter, is that uh, you'll just get steamrolled and annihilated by the better teams in the conference. You never know. You got to be in it to win it. My God, we just had the Dallas Stars play for the Stanley Cup two years ago, right? So, like, you never know what what the matchups are going to end up being, what the upsets will end up being. And so, with the way that Nashville has played, I think they've earned the right for David Boyle to give him a little help, to add that defenseman to the third pairing that can augment the blue line, to maybe add a score up front, like a like oh, let's throw a name out there, like a Phil Kessel, let's say, that can come in and and help out offensively with a little bit of playoff experience. Like I think they've earned the right to have the kind of deadline where they're given help and something for the effort versus uh, uh, looking to say a flip of Philip Forsberg is because of his, con- his contract situation. Well, I mean, obviously you can't talk about being a buyer or a seller without including Forsberg. David Poyle said earlier this week that he's not really a buyer or a seller. So we'll see what that means and how that evolves over the course of the next few days. If you cannot sign Forsberg, keeping him obviously helps you make any run that you're trying to go after this year. But long term, does that make your hockey team better? Does that give you a better chance at a three to five year sustainable run at the postseason? Well, no. I mean, in theory, if you know definitively that you can't sign him, then trading him would be more beneficial down the line. But it's not beneficial to the hockey team that you've built this season. And it's not beneficial to uh, the performances that we've seen from players like Matthew Shane and Roman Yossi this season and UC Soros this season. Again, like I, I think there, there are competing psych, uh, um, theories on what you should do in a situation like Forsberg. And I think they're both valid. Like I think that there is a school of thought that if you can't sign the guy, then you have to get something back for him. And uh, it might be to the detriment of your team in the short term, but the benefit of your team long term. And I think there's also schools th- of thought that says, when you are playing as well as the Predators have played, uh, and I do think they're going to end up being a playoff team, that keeping him around and having and trying to make the most of, of what you've captured this season, I think there's some value there too. So 
I don't know what the solution is. I also don't know definitively whether he's going to be back or not. Um, you know, I think that's probably going to be contingent on what kind of offer they, they gin up for him. Uh, but I know that in this case, for whatever reason, even though I'm kind of a maximize your return for your uh, re- expiring assets kind of guy, like the Ducks are doing, I kind of think keeping him around is the right decision at this point. Well, and I'm just even just through a couple of minutes here, it feels like you're pretty bullish on what this team is capable of doing once they get to the playoffs. And this is the NHL. I don't have to tell Predators fans what you can accomplish as an eight seed or Kings fans, or you mentioned the stars. Like it's just kind of baked into the game that your team can go on a run. So I guess with Forsberg, what what is this team's upside in your opinion? I, I think they've already overachieved in many people's minds to even be in the playoffs. So like, are they just a Phil Kessel away or a Claude Giroux away from actually being a contender? Because Colorado looks pretty good. Colorado also can't win a championship round. Colorado can't get to a championship round. I mean, let's be honest here. Like there, there are there are Titans in this conference that we simply don't know about when it comes to their ability to win a, a, a second round series or play for a cup. I mean, Colorado has to prove that they can. If you win the Claude Giroux sweepstakes and they don't get them, well, all of a sudden you're leveled up. Um, the Calgary Flames are a very, very good hockey team. We're not sure what they'll end up being in the playoffs. The Vegas Golden Knights might not even make the playoffs. Like that's how quickly things can change. The Blues are, I think, are, are, could be a very, very good playoff team if they get goaltending. And that's a huge if when you're going to war with Billy Husso and, uh, and uh, Jordan Bennington, who's lost nine games in a row in the postseason. So I approach the Western Conference in a less, uh, less with less concessions than I think a lot of people do. I, I do think that there's a lane that the Nashville Predators or the uh, St. Louis Blues or, or someone else can occupy um, where there's a path to play for a championship potentially. And, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I think the Nashville Predators could easily be that team. Um, when you think about the way they played this season, when you think about the performances they've gotten from their high-end talent, when you think about the fact that from a goaltending perspective, there are a few teams in this conference that can hang with them. Um, yeah, I'm bullish. I'm bullish on the Predators. It, are you surprised that you're saying that at this stage, considering where we all were at, in the summertime? Or is John Hines someone you've kind of always believed in? <laughs> like, what, what have you learned about John Hines through this process? Because even back last year at the trade deadline, Nashville fans wanted him to blow up the team and fire David Poyle and all this other stuff. And then they go on this ridiculous tear and now they've kind of continued it. So just what's the national perspective and perception of, of John Hines right now? Well, John Hines is one of the things that gives me pause about all this. <laughs> I think I like John personally. I think he's a good dude, but I'm still not convinced that he is in the upper echelon of coaches in this league. I think he's certainly someone who has benefited from having one of the few goaltenders in the league. That's a workhorse that is starting the preponderance of their games. I mean, it's, it's been very interesting to me to see all of the MVP heart trophy conversation about Igor Shachurkin, seeing that he's played around what, like 65% of their games. When you look at what UC Soros has done for the national predators and how vital he's been in carrying the load that he's carried. So, you know, a good goalie is always going to make a coach look better than he is. I think that's certainly been the case for John Hines this season. Um, but from a team perspective, I am surprised that I'm saying that about Nashville. I mean, I, I mean, again, you think about where we were last summer, where, we're, you know, people were lighting candles and, 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 and forming prayer circles that the Seattle Kraken were going to take Matt Duchesne off their hands, uh, you know, and how quickly things have changed in that regard. Um, we knew what they had in goal. We, we, 
well, we were pretty sure we knew what they had in goal. I mean, it was like kind of like right. a half season run where he played out of his mind, but we were confident they had a goalie and we were confident they had one of the best defensemen in hockey. Um, the rest of it was sort of a little bit more up in the air. And, um, you know, especially after trading Victor Harvinson, for example, like there was a lot of questions about what this team was going to end up being. Um, but they've ended up being really good. And, and, and like you said, really good in a way where they've continued to be good after their torrid streak. And so, yeah, I mean, I put them right in that, that next tier of teams that could easily jump up and if not, you know, advance to the Stanley cup final at the very least play for a championship at the Western conference. It, you've covered the sport a long time. Do, do you think like having your worst possible stretch of hockey from like mid January through February and then kind of kicking it off in the middle of March, is that too early to flip the switch as they, as they say, or is that about the right time where, where they're doing it right now over the last two weeks, you know, 30 goals in six games and five wins. Like, is that the right time or is it too soon? I don't, I don't put any stock into how you're playing before the playoffs. I really don't. Like, I, I think, I think the playoffs are their own animal. I think every series in the playoffs is its own animal. Um, it ain't like the Montreal Canadiens or on a 12 game winning streak uh, last year. And maybe they were, I forget to get into the playoffs. All of a sudden uh, uh, we'll go on the run. They went on. I think it very much depends on, your first series and your first opponent and how you approach those first few games. I, I don't think how you end the season um, necessarily correlates to how you do in the playoffs. There is, a, there are exceptions. Like for example, you think about the Tampa Bay series a few years ago with Columbus, like Tampa Bay was lollygagging for two and a half months because they had the whole thing wrapped up. Columbus had to play for their lives every night for two and a half weeks to get into the playoffs. Like there are situations like that where the underdog comes in with this wave of momentum behind them and takes right. out a favorite. But for the most part, I don't really think there's too much correlation with how you end and, and what you do in the playoffs. So I guess I'll hold off on asking you about the Jack Adams award. Um, but <laughs> the other, the other ones, and again, I want to get out of sort of the Preds echo chamber here and, and kind of get a national perspective because Roman Yossi's on an absolute tear. He's going to probably shatter every single season Preds record as a defenseman, of course. Um, I think Tanner Janot is, is a totally worthy candidate for the Calder Trophy, especially considering where he starts his ice time. He's always in the defensive zone, killing penalties, no power play time. Um, what is the national perception of, you know, I guess I will say John Hines and the job he's done from an award standpoint. Then you look at Roman Yossi, you, you mentioned UC Saros, not only just Vesna, but also maybe even Hart conversation. And then Tanner Janot, how much of that should fans take seriously and how much of it is wishful thinking well there's zero chance that uc soros wins the vezina uh that's going to be shuriken that's a different math than it is for mvp i mean he's been the best goalie he's putting up the best goalie stats we've seen since the early 1970s in jock plant so i think from that perspective no one no other goalie's got a, a prayer of winning the vezina this year uh john hines i would say doesn't really have a prayer of winning the jack adams i'm pretty sure that's seeded to um to daryl sutter at this point I think if Bruce Boudreau gets the Vancouver Canucks into the playoffs, it could easily be him and the way that that team was turned around. Then you also have a couple of candidates in the Eastern Conference, like Rod Brindamore, uh, Gerard Gallant, who's another coach that I think has been propped up by his goalie. And, uh, and, and, uh, and of course, uh, Mike Sullivan, who I think has coached really well uh, through adversity this year yeah. with the Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins. And Jared Bednar probably deserves some credit, too, for Colorado, but he ain't going to get it from those voters. Um Yossi right now is is got a chance to move up to second in the in the in the Norris voting. Uh, our last awards watch in ESPN had him uh, in the top three. I think at this point, Makar's got the inside track because 
I think the voters, some, the Norris is a trophy where if, if people decide it's going to be some dude's year, it's usually some dude's year. We saw it with Drew Doughty. We saw it with Alex yeah. Petrangelo. Yeah. I think we're seeing it with Marcar this year. And, and Josie and, and, and Hedman, I think, are right behind him and could be either two or three. Um, but I think it's those three for the award. And then for the heart, I mean, or, or sorry, for the Calder, rather, um, it's going to take an effort. I mean, you have uh, uh, Mo Cedar with the Detroit Red Wings, who has uh, found a way to be the top guy for that award right now as a defenseman, despite Zegris and Raymond and, and, and Bunting and other forwards that are, are uh, you know, showing their worthiness. And then there's still a chance, I think, that Jeremy Swayman from the Boston Bruins could sneak in for that award, too. Um, if he gets enough starts down the stretch for that team. So it's going to take an effort for him to crack the top three without leading the NHL in either rookie goals or rookie points. Um, And I don't think anybody with the Predators uh, is going to be able to sneak ahead of uh, Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid for the Hart Trophy. Yeah, I don't. Uh, to, to be clear, just so you know, because I'm I'm sure you're not listening to our show every single week, but we don't we don't uh, 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 believe that they're going to win any of these awards. But I think being in the converse, <laughs> being in the conversation, though, I think is 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 sort of part of the joy of it all, especially when you're chasing records and the team's overachieving and like all these positive vibes are sort of flowing. So um, thanks for being the wet blanket, Greg. We do appreciate well, that. I, I think I think Roman. I don't think Roman. I wouldn't discount his chances the Norris. To be honest with you, like I think McCarr. If you look at uh, the ballots, if you look at the betting markets, he's the heavy favorite right now. Um, and mostly because he, you know, not only does he have the numbers, but he hasn't won. Right. So they always yeah. like to crown a new king, you know, but and the when, highlights when like he, he dominates, the highlights, he, he yeah, dominates is, social media. Yeah. Right. Which is the reason why Zegris is in the conversation for the call to, over over someone like Tanner. But like, I do think that when when Yost, when Josie won it the previous time, there, there was an intricate um, campaign that showed his worthiness as a, a 200-foot player. Because I think he was up against maybe like John Carlson at that point. And the, and the argument was like, this yeah. guy is the more complete guy. Carlson's kind of just the offensive dude. And there might be the chance again to make that, that, make that argument with McCarr being the top guy. You'd still have to make the argument against Hedman, which is a different deal. But I don't... I don't, I think of those guys, of the predators up for awards, and, and I say this as somebody who, you know, polls the, the writers every month for their, you know, where the wind's blowing on this stuff. I think he's got the best chance of, of maybe leapfrogging a couple guys and winning an award. Make sure you guys are all tuned in, of course, to ESPN, ESPN.com, the, the, the TV, the radio, the app, every, all that great stuff uh, on, on the trade deadline on Monday, of course, and throughout the course of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, let me leave you with this. If you're re-signing Philip Forsberg, w- what are the numbers you're, you're topping out at? Is it seven years? Is it uh, 10 million AAV? Like, what are the numbers where you're like, nope, that's, that's, that's too much for me? Or, or yeah, yes, I should. AAV. 10 million AV is too much, but I'll say this, and, and this ain't going to really fly with David Poyle, but here's what I'd do. Uh, I'd give him term and I'd give him a no, a no move. And I don't know if they do that for Forsberg necessarily, but that's what I would do to bring that, bring down the cap head a little bit. I, I think he's holding that chip in his back pocket. Uh, Cause I don't think they're close on a number, but I think if he gives yeah. him that, if he gives him that no movement clause at the end of the, tw- at the 11th hour, I think they could get the deal done. And uh, I don't think possibly. he'll necessarily, I like, I, I like Forsberg a lot. I don't think he'll necessarily regret it. And there's always ways around it, you know, if you really yep. need yep. to get him out of town. But, uh, <laughs> but I think, I think, you know, knowing Poyle and knowing how he is loath to do that, 
Yeah. Um, that's something that I would do to try to get the AAV down. Cause you're right. You don't want to necessarily go too much higher than Duchesne and, and Johansson with the 8 million per, I mean, you go nine, I mean, yeah. maybe yeah. At the, nine, as, as your ceiling, but you don't n- go much. Nine, that. 9.058. So you're right below. <laughs> so you're right below Yossi by a thousand. Right. A, a yeah. Thousand. Yeah. You can't, I mean, you obviously can't go ahead of, of, of Roman either. Right. So that's right. the real conundrum there. Yeah. Greg, thank you so much, man. Or by the way, uh, instead of trying to find sneaky ways to get them out of town, you just wait a couple of years till they come back to playing like like they're good again. And that's that's what they're doing this year with Duchesne and Johansson. So it's, you know, a, it's an insanely weird year for them. So I'm happy it's happening though. <laughs> I, I can't imagine Matt Duchesne breaking the single season points record and goal scoring record the year after fans were trying to get him to to Seattle. So it, <laughs> it's it's going to be fascinating. Greg, thank you so much, man. Enjoy your coverage. Check him out all over the Twitters, ESPN.com, the TV, the dot the, the com. We appreciate it. Thank you, man. Anytime. All right. That was Greg Wyshynski of ESPN. Hope you guys enjoyed that. He's very high on Roman Yossi. He's very bullish on the Predators' chances to actually make a deep run. You heard him kind of taking shots at, at Calgary, which you don't, you're not a huge Calgary guy taking a shot at Colorado, taking a shot at Jordan Bennington. Like he thinks the Predators team could be all in for this season to win, that they've earned that opportunity to, to try to win this year. And if it means holding on to Forsberg, not getting him re-signed and then losing him to free agency, he's willing to take that risk. I understand that philosophy that hockey is crazy unpredictable. What do you make of just rolling the dice? I know you're not for it. I know we've talked about this. I'm yeah. I mean, there's no other way I can really say it. I they either have to sign him or trade him, um, and I don't and I don't say that flippantly, right? Like the, this is a <clears throat> excuse me. This Philip Forsberg is a player who will demand a lot. Obviously, if they get you know down to brass tacks on the on deadline day and nobody's willing to pony up what you think you're going to get for him, that's a different story. Obviously, sure. But you know if he'll if he'll warrant a first round pick or two, or a first round some combination of Two first round picks, maybe a second and a blue chip prospect. I just think you have to do that because not only are you saving, yes, you're trading away a known commodity for a unknown commodity. That's absolutely true. But you're also like diversifying your assets into picks that you control. You're also diversifying your assets into a, maybe a blue chip prospect, again, that you know is a performer at the AHL level or a guy in junior who's yeah. tearing it up. Either way, and if Forsberg is one player who you're going to pay $9 million to and you're not comfortable paying that, you're going to pay the rest of these, let's just call it three, three players, a grand total of $3 million because of the entry-level contracts and all that stuff. So you're actually getting more. So And, and well, that gives you 5 or $6 million to go sign another piece. Right. That's in, what I'm saying. Theory, so, in theory. Yeah, in theory. Now, again, I totally understand, and I've said this on this podcast, is that if you trade Philip Forsberg, what are you going to try to be acquiring in the offseason? another Philip Forsberg type player. So I get what you, I I get that. But the fact that a team could use him and pay up at the deadline, if you don't have him signed, you cannot lose him for nothing. No, I know. You've repeated that. You've repeated that over and over again. So I thought it was interesting that, that Greg said that because what he thinks, and I think this is where he differs from you and I, which is that I do not think this team is capable of, of winning three playoff series and getting to the Stanley cup final. 
I, I, God, I hope I'm wrong, <laughs> but, but, but I don't, I don't think that, that, that they're this close. I don't think they're one Phil Kessel away or one third defense pairing, pairing, pairing away from winning a cup. Now, it, now I agree with Greg with his general outlook on the hockey playoffs, which is if you've got a great goaltender and your team gets hot, you can do anything. And the Preds are certainly sure. capable of that. So it's sort of like a philosophical view of the playoffs. Like I'm, I'm in the moment now. That's what Greg, he sort of lives in the moment where I'm a little bit more of the, let's look at the big picture salary cap, three to five year thing. And maybe that's the wrong way to look at it. Maybe I should be saying, this is a chance for this team to do something, give them some some support and give them something extra. Ironically, while Greg is not a big John Hines guy, so, which, which we all, I think we kind of all knew that. It's. I'm almost more in the middle, although I gravitate more towards your take. For me, it's like, all right, since everything is so unpredictable in the hockey playoffs, right? We've seen a hundred times out of, I don't know, 500 that an eighth place, an eighth seed can get in and do some damage, you know, and make some noise and knock off top seeds and all that. Right. So if it, if it, it doesn't all come down to luck, obviously, but if there's, if, if luck is such a big factor, then why not play it again, play against the luck. Right. So yeah. my philosophy yeah. is set yourself up for success. That's all you can do. And if the success doesn't, appear mm, inevitable is the word I'll use. If success doesn't appear inevitable, then you have to part with what will set you up for success in the future. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. So Philip Forsberg, in my opinion, needs to be traded or signed. And either one, I'm, I mean, I'm not happy with if he goes somewhere else, obviously, because he's a heck of a player, but either one, I'm like, okay, they made a decision. They stuck by it. As long as it's not for two second round picks or some crap, then right. Right. You know, then the war, then the return will be fine. So, but but just suffice it to say for the listener, yes, I want him re-signed, and I'm willing to do $9 million for eight years for him. I don't like the eight years, but I'm willing to do it. So, final – okay, so we'll have a trade deadline pod, immediate reaction to the trade deadline coming up on Monday afternoon. Uh, so make sure you're tuned in, uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that great stuff. Uh, and we thank Greg Wyshynski for giving us some of his time. We don't we don't normally do guests on the show, but uh, thought we'd, we thought we'd get some national perspective. We've got all these awards. We've got the deadline all this stuff. And, and again, interestingly, very bullish on this Predators team, not bullish on their award chances, which I think you and I agree with. There's not, it's really just Roman Yossi and the Norris. So that, that's about it. Yes. Um, and, and then, but also not a huge John Hines guy, but his last prediction there, I thought was interesting. And you heard me sort of allude to, to how I think what's going to happen. I think this is all being pro, pro, you know drawn out until the last minute. And I think in the final minutes, David Poyle reaches into his back pocket and he says, I'll give you the extra year, whether that's six to seven or seven to eight, whatever it might be. And the no movement, uh, some sort of no movement trade clause, whether that's the first three years, the first five years, a limited number of teams. You know, there's a lot of different ways that he can make it work. I have not felt like they were going to resign Philip Forsberg just from what I have gathered and just some vibes, right? Which I hate that I just used that word. Um, <laughs> but... I, th- I think for somehow, some way on like a Sunday afternoon press release, there's going to be a, we are excited to announce that we've re-signed Philip Forsberg to a fairly lengthy, less than Roman Yossi contract dollars per year. And that the no movement trade clause will be the thing that gets it over the finish line. That is my ultimate prediction. And I don't think I would have given you that ultimate prediction until this week. My ultimate prediction is that the Predators keep him without re-signing him 
at the deadline. Yeah, uh, that's that's, uh, that's my biggest fear, honestly. But that's what I think is going to happen because if you listen to Poyle's interviews on 102.5 The Game, <clears throat> excuse me, the last couple weeks, he has been how should we say this? Less than animated. Yeah. When talking well, about the situation, and that's the and that the, for me that speaks volumes because even though he doesn't really tell you everything because he can't. Which wouldn't be prudent to do that in his job. Uh, just tip his hat. But yeah. uh, you can tell in his voice inflection and in his emotion and in his, again, animation of his, of his voice that uh, when things are either going well, they're going bad, whatever it may be, when things, he's frustrated, all that. And it, he, his answers seem to grind to a halt when talking about it. And I think that's symbolic yeah. of where it is. Because you got to remember, Forsberg holds all the cards, you guys. Yeah, yeah. The Preds yeah. only have... One thing, and that's the extra year. That's it. They can hold out, get to summer, and still make a bundle of money. So, for me, uh, I think they're going to end up keeping him, not signing him. I mean, they'll re-sign him maybe later, but I'm saying like at the deadline. By the deadline, they will they will keep him, right, but not right, re-sign right. him yet. And that okay. is my biggest fear. Well, what's first of all, I think it's hard for David Poyle to be less animated than he normally is. Um, well. <laughs> Because that's not that's not what he is. That's not how he. And that's all things not are an, subjective. Right? All that's things not, are subjective. Yeah, that's right? context. Not an, context. That's not an insult at all. It's just how he is. He's just he's extraordinarily competitive. He's just not very sure. Flamboy- he's not flamboyant sure. um, at all. And I agree that the answers grinding to a halt, much like the negotiations grinding to a halt. As I have said to you on this show for almost a year now, they are not close. That is my understanding. Is that they're just not close yet? Yet, the question is: Does the no trade clause? cover that extra five six seven eight hundred thousand dollars per year that maybe they're far apart on that is the question can you give them an extra year and give them the no movement clause and say all right you're going to get eight seven five because we're not going to pay you more than roman yossi and that's it they're not going to pay him more than roman yossi it's not going to happen so uh there's the final predictions we are done talking about trading philip forsberg (laughs) although i say that now and, and watch him, like, try to trade his rights or something at the end of the year. <laughs> so, so, Jeremy, where can people find your work, my man? They can find me at It's Gover Time on Twitter. And if your local radio station subscribes to AP Radio and their services, you will hear my work there as well. Perfect. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Great burgers, great parking, great happy hour for Preds games, great place to watch the NCAA tournament games. And they're giving you free money if you sign up for the Bracket Challenge and you're listening to this before 11 a.m on thursday thank you guys all for listening rate review subscribe you can follow gover you can follow me at braden gall this has been the gold standard for the 440 sports podcast network